Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Managing editor Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. We're back for another edition of the Edge Podcast. The sun is shining, spring out of the way now, getting into summer. Jared, we haven't done a podcast in what feels like forever. How have you been, man? Good to hear from you. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's uh, The weather's warming up. It's a little too hot here. We got to about 97 yesterday, uh, so it is certainly certainly warm, but... Weather's great. Um, seems like seems like the United States as a whole is kind of coming back together a little bit. So things are things are going well. Absolutely, you know, lots of lots of great sports related things. I mean, obviously, right now we've got the NBA playoffs going on, and we're seeing fans and crowds, and we're seeing you know vaccinated sections, and you know we're we're starting to get there. And I tell you what, you know, it ha- nothing's uh, you know nothing's official yet, but seeing specifically here in Oregon, like the Trailblazers start to have fans, it's a good sign for Oregon State coming towards the fall and winter, and you know ba- football and basketball things come together. So lots of things to be positive and optimistic about for sure. Uh, just to kind of kick off the podcast, we haven't really touched base uh, since you know the real meat of spring football. Obviously, that's in the rearview mirror now. Is Jonathan Smith and company wrapped up. If you can believe it, year four of spring practice. I, I, wow. Crazy, right? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just, uh, it was nice to be able to get out and see, you know, the team in person. But, you know, for, for you, Jared, after the year that they had, you know, and seeing, you know, getting to see kind of everything start to come back together in a sense of normalcy, how much do you think that'll help the team heading into fall camp this year that they had a normal spring unlike last year yeah I mean I'm sure it will help exponentially it it, it still kind of blows my mind the the strides that I guess that the team was able to make and just the fact that you know it didn't really obviously they still got a little piece of fall camp and everything but it didn't look like and this was this was countrywide as well I mean it just didn't look like the schools were that unprepared and that just speaks to the level of athleticism that these guys have Um, so like you said, I mean, for them being able to, to get out there again this spring, get a full, full spring practice in, uh, even get a scrimmage in front of some fans at the stadium, I'm sure they're feeling really good, uh, you know, about to get into summer workouts and a lot of officials as well, uh, which is some, some huge news that, that we'll get to later. Um, but definitely a lot of great things happening. I would imagine they're feeling pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, just getting the question back to you. Yeah. Uh, I would like to, to hear a lot of the things that, that you saw, some, some big takeaways from you. You know, like you said, you were there in person. Uh, big difference from last year. What, yeah. what did you see that, that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, the first takeaway for sure is just how cool it is to be there in person. I mean, I went to – I didn't go to every home game this last year by choice. I went to, you know, some of them and chose to sit a couple of them out, mostly because the atmosphere, with lack of better terms, was horrible. It was <laughs> – it was like trying to play, you know, an NBA arena with an empty arena. It, it stinks and it's not good. And, you know, you could just tell that it just, it didn't have that same, that same flair. We weren't near the team, weren't connected with the team. You kind of just felt like it was, you know, on top of all that, a lot of other things going on in, you know, our daily lives. So it was, it was a weird, uh, a weird year last year, but now moving ahead to spring, you know, we got to be back there in person. We got to, you know, share fist bumps with, you know, people that we used to talk to media members got to, you know, break down and go, Oh man, wasn't that a great player? Are you seeing the same thing here? And kind of, you know, that real camaraderie aspect, you know, uh, from the media perspective, 
it was awesome to be back and, you know, feel the tension and, you know, hear the pads pop and, you know, be down there. Uh, as far as, you know, the team itself, it's that, you know, I think I said this last spring too, and, you know, we even just very briefly, but it's that this team is just, they're veterans now. They're not a bunch of young guys anymore. You know, you go back to, you know, the early years of Jonathan Smith where they're, you know, breaking guys in just to break guys in. So they'll be, you know, ready to go in a couple of years. They've just got some dudes. They've got some leadership. They've got some, you know, six year seniors that took advantage of that COVID rule and are going to come back. And, you know, you, you can't quantify leadership with guys that have been in the program that long. You know, I think of a guy like Trayvon Bradford or a guy like Andre Hughes Murray, who uh, were, in college taking classes at Oregon state when I was taking classes at Oregon state. So they've been there a minute. And I think that, uh, you know, that, um, that leadership has really been on display throughout spring because they just took care of business, whether it was, you know, communication, better communication, better tackling, um, you know, better approach to certain aspects of practice, tighter in formations, um, tighter in, you know, kind of how they, um, you know, attack like goal line situations, red line situation or red zone situations, excuse me. So they just looked like a team that, you know, wasn't trying to still figure some of it out. And I feel like for a certain extent, whether it was like the first two years where it was, man, it was almost all fundamentals, like every single drill of every single practice. And now we're, you know, moving quite a bit away from that. So just the natural growth, seeing guys continue to, you know, get better, seeing, you know, some positions of weakness or not weakness, but, you know, positions where they're a little thin on depth, defensive line, secondary, we've talked about it at length, both those positions look, you know, deeper and better this year. So overall, I thought it was a very successful spring and a lot to be excited about um, for Beaver fans. And I know those Beaver fans that went to the spring game were a little disappointed. They, you know, didn't get to see more than about 45 minutes worth of action. But as the media members and I joked around the spring game that day, we saw more at practice than they did in that game. And I can tell you there's quantifiable improvement. And I think it would be, um, I don't think it's out of the question to assume a bowl game this year. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely seems like there was a a lot of good things happening. And, and, you know, talking about the spring game, that what's most important when coming out of a spring game is that everybody's healthy. Yeah. And of course you want to put on a good show for your fans and, and some schools do take risks to make that happen. Like keeping, keeping starters in for a quarter or even a half sometimes. Uh, I've even seen spring games where the starters play the whole thing. And I'm just like, this is nuts right. because all it is is a glorified practice. I mean, it's a scrimmage where people are watching. So while yes, of course you want to, you want to give the fans who, who came out there, a good show and some good insight on, on what the team looks like. What's most important is just that everyone stays healthy because, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was a fan, I would much rather see a not-so-great spring game yeah. uh, in a great season than a fantastic spring game where your best player gets hurt and the season's shot because of it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you, you definitely made some good points there. Is there any, any – I mean, obviously, there was a lot of guys that, that people were looking forward to hearing about. Was there anyone in particular player-wise that, that stood out to you that maybe didn't last year? It's hard to say didn't last year, but there's, to me, and I, and I wrote about this in one of the recent spring analysis pieces at Beaver's Edge, was 
and, and it probably won't surprise you, but it's the, the guy, the guy this spring. And I think it was almost relatively easy to say he was the MVP just of the team. That was Zariah. And, I knew and, you know, I, I'm trying not to get like way too excited about him, but, you know, for how long I've been around Oregon State football, there are two receivers in recent memory who have been able to make this much of a jump from year one to year two, and then just look hands and feet better than everyone else in practice. Mm-hmm. That's Isaiah Hodgins and Brandon Cooks. And at times, Zariah this spring was, you know, a man walking amongst boys where he would just be able to make double coverage catches, um, beat guys down the field. I mean, he has taken a huge leap from last year and I don't want to overhype him or anything, but you know, the coaching staff, you know, basically said he's almost like a veteran out there. The guy is a freshman this year after the, you know, played in half of a season last year, half of a normal year and still comes back. So he was a guy that I think would definitely, if Oregon State can get consistent quarterback play, I think he's going to be a really nice piece this year. Um, and also another guy that I know you're going to know, feel real fondly with, Deshaun Fenwick, South Carolina, running back. He, um, I was, you know, chit-chatting with some media members, and we were saying like day one or day two, it was really obvious that, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy came from the SEC. Like, so that was a big question that people had. And obviously, I mean, what you're saying and what you've reported is like, can this guy come in and be the starter in year one? And, I, and you know, a lot of people have that question. And yes, there's a transition that has to be made. But when you got, totally. it, you got it, so is that what you're seeing from him? I think he's going to have a really good shot at taking that. You know, I think um, B.J. Baylor will and should get the first crack at it. I think, you know, being Jamar Jefferson's understudy, being that guy who was always ready to go, you know, lunch pail, hard hat kind of a thing. I think sure. he'll get his opportunity. And, you know, he was the first team back for most of spring. But you could tell Deshaun was starting to, you know, kind of put it all together. And there would just be times where he's just hitting the hole and you're like, Oh, that's kind of like Jamar a little bit. Like it's say it. They're they're excited. When 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 we got hit or when we talked about his commitment, you know, we talked about how their games are kind of similar in in, in a few ways. And and honestly, you know, if when he picks up the playbook, and I think it's gonna take, you know, summer will be real good for him. But when he picks up the playbook and enters fall camp, I think there's a really good shot. Um, he could um you know, overtake that starting spot. And just to kind of put a bow tie on spring football before we start talking uh, official visits. um, If there's an area of concern and it's slight concern right now, it's the receiving room only for the fact that it was an incomplete of what we saw. So Zariah was great. Champ Flemings was great. But Mm -hmm. then the next guy up after that was, you know, Silas Bolden, Trey Pope, um, 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 Anthony Gould. And, you, you know, some of the Beavers' big guns, like we didn't see Micaiah Tongue play all spring. That was a guy that I really wanted to see. You know, he wasn't, you know, wasn't really dressed all spring. So he's a guy who I think is a starting level guy who didn't get a ton of reps. So that there's someone in uh, something in there. Tyjon Lindsay missed time, you know, in and out throughout different times. Trayvon Bradford missed time throughout in and out too. So, you know, I want to see in fall camp, I think fall camp is really important for the receivers because you brought up Deshaun Fenwick. 
and it immediately reminded me of Micaiah Tung. Shout out OSU Beef, who has said numerous times on on the board he wants to see Micaiah Tung and Deshaun Fenwick be named, you know, starters. And looking at Micaiah Tung, you know, just in person, he is probably the biggest receiver Oregon State has, and it's probably not even close. But I want to see him be able to get on the field and, you know, get in there as well, just because right now, you know, that's why we didn't see a real full spring game was not a lot of numbers at receiver. Um, So I kind of want to see everyone kind of get back from those nagging injuries a little bit. Um, But for the most part, love where the Beavers stand on offense. They need to figure out kind of the quarterback situation. And I think there's, you know, a lot of moving pieces going to be a three or perhaps even four way quarterback battle going into fall camp. So nothing new there. Uh, and then defensively, uh, I have to say, defensive line has grown. It's, you know, could still use a piece or two. And Jared and I will keep, uh, keep uh, hanging on and letting you know if we, as we, uh, what we hear and what we see. But uh, for now, I, I, I'm really pleased at where they were from the end of the year, 2020, to spring. You know, many areas I didn't even get a chance to, you know, get into on this podcast, but just, the improvement is there. Take my word for it. If you know, if y'all didn't see what you necessarily want to see at that spring game, the improvement is there. This team is hungry and they're motivated. They're done not, you know, being at the level they know they should be at. So I think when you combine all those factors, I think it's bowl game or bust. And I got pretty good confidence they'll get six wins this year. So I mean, that kind of brings me to to, to one last question. This really yeah. doesn't have to do with spring ball, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Real quickly, you 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 were saying, aside from from Zariah, aside from uh, guys like Sam Flemings, it, there's kind of a drop afterwards. I wouldn't say so much. Maybe drop in experience would sure. be would be probably you know because I think the Beavers have some guys. I mean, a guy that you know I wrote about just the other day, Silas Bolden had himself a spring. Absolutely, like you know. You know, I you know he had uh, had himself a spring. I thought Anthony Gould had some good moments as well. So but, Josh experience is a better way to put it. Yeah, just because like Trayvon Bradford, he's just a, a winning football player. You're going to want to have on the field, right? Mm-hmm. Micaiah Tung is at least looking at him a mismatch nightmare for a lot of defensive backs in this conference. You're going to my my point in all that is is there's a lot of bodies at wide receiver, and I wrote about that earlier this week. Like you know six, seven, or maybe eight guys, I think are all kind of in the same relative kind of pool. And, you know, kind of like last year, I think it could be hard to, you know, feed that many mouths just because I know there's talent there, but there's still one ball. And we saw this last year, you know, it, 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 the passing game never really got started, you know? So does it surprise you then just to, to get to the question? I mean, you say there's a lot of bodies, maybe not as much experience to show for it. Does does Iris's move does that does that speak to the the depth? Oh, without question, of the the guys that receiver or the need for bodies at sec in the secondary. I think probably the former, just because I don't think there's a dying need for bodies in the secondary now, and I think you and I have kind of been able to see that with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like irish you know obviously you know reported by nick dashell the oregonian first that he's gonna be moving uh, over to defensive back and i think that's more along the lines of like a guy like silas bolden popped this gotcha. spring and was like whoa okay this guy is you know capable i think anthony gould is, i just think maybe you know as for why it was irish i couldn't necessarily say but 
you know, as far as like needing depth at secondary, I don't think so. I just think there's a lot of talent. There's a ton of talent receiver. You know, Coach Lingren said, we feel confident going like seven or eight deep. There aren't very many teams that trot out that many receivers. So it, it's, it's really going to be interesting um, overall. But, you know, for the most part, I, I am very pleased. Like after, you know, um, I've watched this team now under Smith spring by spring by spring. And this was by far the first spring that I can remember where it just seems like this is the way that it's supposed to be. Like, you know, you know, the Beavers know what their mission is to make a bowl game. Now they felt like they should have done it two years ago. Right. And, you know, I mean, you, you can see it in their eyes that that's, that's all that matters is getting back to the postseason, And that's, what's got me so excited about the team after spring and obviously leading into fall camp when that kicks off in August. Mm-hmm. There's some other things to be excited about too. Uh, that are, they're a little bit closer around the corner, like a only, I guess what a, a week away now, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned, Beavers are making up for lost time with, with the month of June, especially with, you know, Jared, you know, just putting on our recruiting hats here, as I see, you already got a nice hat on. So yeah, put on that recruiting hat here. It has been how long since Oregon State's had an official visitor on campus? It would have to be the season of 2019. So we're talking 400 and some days, no, four or 500 days and counting now. Long time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a long time. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and Oregon State's loaded up in June. They've got three weekends of official visits in June. Jared, tell us what we need to know about those official visits. Beavers leaving no stone unturned. They even got some uh, some high-profile guys coming to Corvallis, too. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I think the first thing to point out, and this has definitely been something that's been widely discussed now on the damn board, is just, like you said, the, the amount of bodies that are coming in, making up for lost time. Uh, and it was it all happened really fast. You know, things got lifted. The regulations got lifted finally after countless extensions. And it was, it was pretty quick. You know, people started locking in their official visits. Now, whether that speaks to – the excitement that these guys have to see Corvallis or the staff's ability to get those guys into town, I don't think it really matters because either way they're going to be there. And if there's one thing that we did learn about Coach Jonathan Smith and the staff around him from when the visits were allowed is that they know how to host an official visit. They do. Because we see – we. I mean, I I can't remember the amount of times. It was my, my first year on the site. I came in, I think, in April. So I was right there before the, the visits were about to start. Next thing you know, I, I see a, a guy coming in that's got 15 offers from, from schools and then yeah. Zariah Beeson, a high-profile former four-star receiver from Texas, come in. Uh, and obviously, he's got countless offers. Well, I think he had an offer from LSU who went on to win the national championship that year. Both those guys come in, commit the next week. I'm like, okay, wait a second. And then that just continued on throughout the summer. Yeah. So, Again, it doesn't matter why it's happening the way it is, but what does matter is that they're going to be there. Uh, and like you said, they've got a really great group of guys coming in. We can dive into that that first week in more detail if you'd like. Uh, speaking of Texas receivers and, and Texas people overall, yeah. Uh, if there's a school you want to target, Duncanville's up there, and they've got two guys. They, they got a pretty good receiver already from there, right? He's, he's yeah, okay. Yeah. He's okay. You were just talking about him. So I mean, having having Jarrell Powers come in. And having Quincy Wright come in, the defensive lineman, which, as you said earlier, is definitely something that people are wanting to see. Uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for a much better first weekend 
So I, I think it's going to be super exciting to see those guys come into town and see if anything comes of it. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned Quincy Wright. How much, how much would it do for Oregon State and specifically Jonathan Smith to be able to land a marquee freshman defensive tackle? Not a defensive end, but I'm talking a marquee plug, you know, 3-4 defense. You are the nose tackle. How And and when I look at someone, you know, like Quincy Wright, you know, definitely someone who's kind of, you know, fits that mold a little bit. So I'm like, how how much do you think that would be if, like, you know, there's a couple guys and, you know, we'll get into it in future podcasts and whatnot. The Beavers are having some defensive linemen come through. And I'm, you know, my question to you is, how much would that kind of grease the wheels? You know, that's probably number one question we get here at Beaver's Edge is what are the Beavers doing with their defensive line? Mm-hmm. So how much would that grease the wheels to maybe get one or two like bigger defensive tackles that are freshmen? Yeah, I mean, for, for one, it would create uh, experience for, for the long term. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, having those guys come in who could be a marquee freshman yeah. where they know they're the guy. That's a huge deal because it doesn't mean you're going to be good this year. It means you're going to be good for the next four years. Exactly. Especially on the defensive line. So we've seen them really kind of plug plug the gaps as needed, taking the JUCO route, taking the transfer portal route. Yeah. But getting in a guy from high school as a freshman who you're competing with with all these other schools for would be – I mean, it would be huge. And, uh, I, I mean, whether it's right or whether it's someone else, it's going to happen – uh, so just stay tuned. Uh, it's going to be super exciting. Hopefully it's right. Cause that would be a, that would be super quick. And if they can continue building that Texas pipeline, I mean, there's no telling what could happen in the future. Um, but you know, just the fact that they're able to get both of those guys in there already, you know, Zariah Beeson's blowing up their phone as well. Uh, it, it's definitely a good sign for the future. Uh, last question I kind of just have for you as we kind of look into that first, uh, that first, you know, actually well, June as a whole. Yeah. How, key key is it and I say key here and maybe actually how much uh, careful planning I've noticed Oregon State has at least one committed player yeah every weekend so what does that do for a guy coming in going hey y'all I'm already I'm already coming here this is pretty good pretty good deal we got going like how much can that and you know guys talking again and being able to do things and experience campus and you know we, we see it at the highest level of sports all the time. Guys want to go play with their friends. Yeah. You know, why, why does LeBron James have Anthony Davis in, in LA? Why, you know, so on and so forth. It, that's sports. Why does Tom Brady have some of his friends in, in, in Tampa Bay now? It mm-hmm. all goes hand in hand. And my question to you is how impactful do you think that can be? There's at least one guy that's already been like, this is where I'm going in every single visit weekend. Yeah, super, super impactful. Like you said, it's it's not really a coincidence. Um, you know, you, you bring those guys there for a reason. And if, if someone else can hear from somebody else who's going through the same thing they're going through, say, I chose here over these places because of this, especially a guy like Melvin Jordan, yeah. top 50 player in the country. I mean, from, from my neck of the woods, you know, the yeah. guy's traveling across the world to, to go to the school. Uh, so having a guy like him in there, um, and, and, you know, allowing people to hear the things that he has to say. And it's not it's not even necessarily that they don't already know it, because we've said this a million times. If you ask a recruit what they like about Oregon State, they'll say the coaches that quickly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not that they don't already know that the staff showing a lot of love, 
But when, when other people their age and who have similar interests and obviously play the same sports as them have bought into it and they can build a connection with those guys while they're in town, it definitely plays a huge impact. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's going to happen every week. You hear it countless times where, you know, whether it's through former high school teammates or they have a family member who previously went to the school, usually right. those are the guys that you get. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's really important to have those connections built for sure. Certainly. And, and again, you're going to want to keep it locked to beaversedge.com for basically the entire month of June, because that, that is Jared and I's focus at, at this point is, you know, obviously, you know, the baseball team wrapping up, you know, their season and getting ready for um, whatever postseason and wherever their uh, destination is going to land. But June's a big month for the Oregon state football team, three big, big weekends. And, you know, we've, we've talked about it on the board, talked about it, mailbags, any number of things. This seems like where Oregon State could just start to get commitments in rapid fire and over the course. So, again, keep it locked to beaversedge.com. It's going to be the place to be. Uh, that'll go ahead and wrap it up for this edition of the Edge podcast. Make sure to stay tuned as Jared and I will be breaking down and previewing all the visitors, all the commitments, everything that comes out of, uh, you know, the Beavers hosting a whole bunch of guys over the course of June, which is just awesome and, you know, really is – a positive thing that, you know, kind of helps us all, all think that things are getting a little bit closer back to normal. Also broke down spring football as well. So for Jared Hallis and Brendan Slaughter, this is a, this will be signing off in this edition of the podcast. We'll be back, try to be back a little bit more consistently now, maybe, uh, you know, took a little bit, a little bit off as Jared and I had a, a busy spring, but, uh, Try to be back uh, almost semi-weekly again because I miss talking to you, Jared. It's yeah, absolutely. You it's, always fun. it's always fun for sure. And hopefully there will be a lot to talk about. Yeah, hopefully uh, some commitments and lots of recruiting scoops. So, again, it for those recruiting gurus out there, this is your time of the year. It's coming up, and it's going to be exciting. BeaversEdge.com is going to be the place to be. Go ahead and keep it locked. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Edge Podcast.